I have the best sight. The water gurgles all night, and the forest sounds lull me to sleep. I can hardly tell when it's dawn in this canyon, but I'm soon up for a big climb up Montana Peak. The wind is high, and the clouds are much more present than I've seen on this hike. It's easy up long switchbacks, and the flowers are brilliant. Mexican poppies closed up like little umbrellas marching up the trail. And the view is astounding. Huge rock formations from ancient seabeds thrust straight into the sky. I think about my dream last night as I walk. My former boss was watching as I forgot my lines. Even with notes, they were so small I couldn't read them. I came on this hike partly to fix some broken pieces in my life, like still giving that horrible person power over me, also to see if I still have it in me to walk a through hike. There's more, though, something deeper, to find the magic again in walking, that feeling of being so completely content and grounded. Just as that thought floats in, I see a bit of deep magenta ahead. Oh my gosh, it's my first cactus bloom. It's a cane choya with small spiny protuberances and a brilliant but delicate flower hanging on. More buds lie in wait. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. I'm walking the Arizona Trail. I really didn't leave enough time to walk every step, so I skip the low desert when my new friend Hector drives me to the Superstition Mountains. And I'm really happy this morning. It's lovely here, filled with wildflowers and cooler weather. Even the rocks are lovely. Two older hikers come walking down, Skye and Shira, who also see their first bloom. They're through hiking, but flip-flopping all over to make it work best for them and their family. I realize, yeah, I flipped a section too, but I definitely have not quit. Just restructured. I head on up into a beautiful flat area with green grass and gnarly trees that look like part of an orchard. John meets me here, moving lightning fast. You can't do this in Minnesota, he says as he rushes by. Well, maybe if you climbed Carlton Peak 77 times, I yell after him. Sitting in the grass with breakfast is a German couple, white blonde Frauke and totally bald Dennis. <laughs> I press on, assuming everyone will pass me, though Clothesline meets up at the top and sits down for food while I press on. I can see a hazy Mount Lemon from here. Through another gorgeous Arizona trail gate, I meet a road. <laughs> it's still wild and rugged, but you can drive here. I don't do well on the slippy stones, but the kids catch up and we start talking about the Teararoa. From here, the view is of layer upon layer of jagged peaks, seemingly unclimbable. It's gray and dark, but I can't tell if it's dust or storm clouds. Soon we hear ATVs heading up, and I make a drinking motion to ask for a beer. Eddie and Dan back up over some huge rocks to suggest I open their cooler. 
And there it is, a Budweiser at 9 a.m. <laughs> Why do I want beers so badly on trail? Well, it's the liquid and the carbs. It's like the perfect sustenance. We soon break off into the superstition wilderness and descend into Rogers Canyon. It's rough trail filled with rocks and cat's claw grabbing at my arms and legs. But John and I reminisce the entire way when he slows to my pace. Frauke asks what superstition means, and I give an example of spilling salt, which immediately makes sense to her. They all cruise ahead of me as soon as the trail follows a wash. It's another big climb up to Rivas Saddle, but this time through water's destructive force. There's no water here now, just rock, gravel, and debris. It's fairly clear, and someone has gone to a lot of trouble to make cairns as the path zigzags from bank to bank. I meet three backpackers out just for a weekend, Andrew, Taylor, and Jeremy, two of them packing heat. When I ask what it's for, Andrew tells me he's come face to face with a lion. Maybe just make yourself look big and unappetizing? The gun at least makes him feel in charge. Onward and upward. I meet a few more backpackers before leaving the wash and cruising up long switchbacks. It's exhausting, but frankly, it's easy for me. The valley is made up of rounded mountains covered in mesquite and oak. Sharp rock fortresses jut out near the top. When I reach the saddle, I expect water at Pine Creek. But that's not how things work in these sky islands of the desert. It's water completely disappearing underground until some ways below. Well, I don't need water, mainly because the cloud cover has kept things cool. So I plod through a pine forest devastated by fire and follow the riverbed. The wind picks up in the pines and the sky gets very dark. In one thick grassy section, the trail disappears completely. I hear thunder, then a few drops of rain hit me. I see pools of water, and finally, flowing water. The rain is a bit heavier, so I dig out my raincoat, which was smashed at the bottom of my pack. I never thought I'd need it. I push on to a bigger flow and a place to sit under sprawling cottonwoods. The water is fresh and tastes good. I have several more climbs before my last water for a big carry. It's always hard to know just how much to collect. When I leave, I head straight up again, so take off my jacket. Again, I can push uphills pretty strong, but when I hit a rock-strewn path on the other side coming down, I slow down to pick my way through. This terrain is far more rugged with views of spires and mesas. It's slowly down to water that's yellow from sulfur. Safe to drink, but tastes bad. I've got plenty and I head right back up. At the top this time, the view is stunning. An enormous mountain range comes into view as the sun peeks out under a cloud. The trail has me heading straight towards it. I don't think I climb it, but it is stunning in size and shape. Pyramidal peaks poking into the sky as the sun sets. My final water is a spring, made available through a square metal trough. A few bugs float on top, but it looks clear enough. As I filter, the Germans arrive, and we discuss the ten-mile dry stretch with a thousand-foot descent and ascent ahead of us. It's late, 
The sun set, and I follow behind, hoping for a flat spot without too much wind. And we find it, looking out on the abyss and the gigantic mountain ahead. With cheap tent pegs, I use piles of rocks to hold the alley coop in place. The wind has totally died, and it's absolutely silent. Only a few drops of rain as I set. I make a silent prayer of thanksgiving for this extraordinary day. And I also add, maybe you can keep my tent in place overnight if that's not too much trouble. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. And you can leave a review on Apple. That helps the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can support the show financially as a patron. You can help me get on trail to collect sounds and create these stories. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. Blissfulhiker.com is my website. You can find other episodes, the blog, see pictures, and contact me, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, things get really hard, and I get pretty grouchy walking on rocks as big as basketballs on steep road. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails.